With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Get ready for the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. Each week featuring a candid and raucous conversation with some of the most innovative, outspoken, and entrepreneurial business minds in the world today. This is the Very Visible Business Podcast, and here's David Averin. And welcome to the Very Visible Business Podcast. My name is David Averin. I am your host. This week, every week, whenever we do this, it's my podcast, and I get to talk to who I want to talk to. And that's, that's good news because... I am really blessed in this world to, uh, to have some phenomenal connections in the speaker world, in the consulting world, uh, in all my years with Vistage as I led CEO roundtable groups, conversations with 4,000 CEOs over the years, one-on-one -on -one about their competitive advantage. And not only have I learned about industries that I would never know anything about, but I've had the great pleasure, the great privilege of talking to some remarkable leaders. And so I have this amazing roster to choose from. And today is, um, today is, is gonna be um, really interesting because <clears throat> this is an old colleague, <clears throat> excuse me, an old friend from, from many years back who has been everything from a, a Las Vegas entertainer to a corporate uh, sage and, um, and has a new, not, not just a new presentation, but a new thought process, a new concept for organizations, instead of setting goals, he talks about keeping promises. And as we look in our organizations about how do we achieve some level of predictability in terms of our, our staff behavior and, and ideally our customer path and, and their, their buying behavior and our, and our response and our revenue and our profit, how that's driven from a leader perspective in terms of our mindset uh, financially driven, behaviorally driven, uh, Jason has a different approach. And I'm going to let him explain it all to you. But first, I'll give you a quick background for him. I think his, his intro is far too humble. Um, but I think if you look him up, it's Jason Hewlett. Is it jasonhewlett.com? Yeah. There you go. Jason Hewlett, H-E-W-L-E-T-T. -E -T. We'll plug that a little bit later as well. Um, but he helps leaders, employees, and companies stop setting goals and instead keep their promises to their customers, to each other, and themselves with a one-of-a-kind approach. He's a keynote speaker who entertains as he teaches um, and inspires as well. So there's the long, drawn-out introduction. Jason Hewlett, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, David Averin. What a guy. I yeah. appreciate you having me, man. <laughs> um, you know, what, what's fun is, is, and Jason, I would love for you to, to tell everybody as well, sort of a little bit of background before we talk about sort of a different leadership mindset. And... Um, with, I mean, none of this, of course, is in lieu of profitability. We're not doing good and doing right for the sake of doing right. We're still feeding our families and everything else. But I think it's a fascinating mindset. But before we do, take us back a little bit to, uh, to your background, because you've been in front of audiences for most of your life, um, but much of that time was as an, as an entertainer. And so tell me about sort of that path and that, that journey that, that brought you to being, I think, what, what many would consider to be a very profound messenger as well. Well, that's very kind of you, brother. And I'll tell you, I started my career with the Las Vegas Legends in Concert. 
and I was a Ricky Martin impersonator back when Ricky was the hottest ticket in the world. And back when so, he was living La Vida Loca, wasn't he? We were all living La Vida Loca. I was in my leather pants and had my cool looking, uh, I, I looked just like him at the time. It was very, very odd because I didn't think I looked like him, but people said I did. And so I was impersonating him, which means to your listeners and viewers that I would uh, transform myself into looking, sounding, talking, singing, dancing, and everything like him for this very famous show where you could go to Las Vegas and see the Elvis impersonator or others like that. This was a show review of all types of different legends that were in concert. And so after the Ricky Martin thing started to die down and I realized I was pretty good at it, considered the best in the world for a time as there were many impersonators of Ricky Martin at that time, I then was suggested to learn Elton John. And so you can imagine, David, that I would come out onto the stage as Ricky Martin and everyone was swooning and I'm doing the upside inside out. I know where the music is, is racing through my head right now. Yeah. And the, the women were throwing their room keys. And there you go. Excited to see me. And then I'd come back to the stage a few acts later as Elton John with the glasses and the big hat and the costumes and the whole thing. And I would do a 70s version of Elton John, you know, goodbye, no machine, though I never knew you at all. You had the best to hold you soon. There you go. And then yeah. I'd back to the stage, I'd, I'd do a little, uh, I'd do a transformation before their very eyes. I'd put on the wig, I'd put on the, uh, the, the nicer jacket, and I would be Elton John 90s version and do the, can you feel the love tonight? And everyone would go, that guy's so great. They didn't know it was the same person as was the Ricky Martin. So Interesting. That's how my career began, man. And, you know, I learned really quickly that regardless of the amount of people in the audience, if there was 10 people that were very disinterested or your jaded Vegas audience, you had to still give 100% in every single performance. And that was the promise of us as performers each night. And so we'd come to stage and we would have to perform for people that acted like they didn't care or got comp to the show. Yeah. And that taught me early on what the promise of this company was. And, and that's, that's pretty much where this messaging began was that the great legends of stage, they all make a promise and they keep it. And how do we do that in our own business and our own lives? So, so answer that question. I mean, you, you set that up yourself. Um, how does that manifest itself? And, and I guess conversely, what does it look like when, 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 when others don't? From an organizational perspective, from an individual employee perspective, give me that dichotomy between those that don't necessarily keep their promise and, um, but are good at what they do how does that look different to us as consumers? Yeah, I mean, really, if you just think of yourself as being a part of the audience and saying, I've experienced when I thought I was going to get something and it turned out to be completely opposite of what was promised me. And so it's called the commercial versus the reality. It's that kind of syndrome where they say, hey, come to this restaurant. It's going to be this type of experience. And you get there and you're like, that was not the food I expected or the service I expected. And that's why customers ultimately leave 
Yeah, see what I did there? You know, it's just like, you know what? I think there's a book in there somewhere. We'll talk about that later. This is about you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Thank you for the plug. But um, true, man. That's what they want. Yeah. They want to receive the promise they came for. And, and obviously, we come in the door because of what we expect. But it's ultimately in the ability of the business to keep that promise and deliver it to us as consumers that we say, I'm coming back or I'm going to tell everybody and they're going to become a big time business or the converse, which is what your book's about. Hey, why are they going away? One review can kill them. So how does it work in your own business in your own style? But so talk about it from this perspective and, and let's have a conversation about this because I don't think anybody in business sets out to underperform. Um, as a matter of fact, I think for many who are in leadership or ownership positions, small business, others, it's frustrating for them. It's heartbreaking for them when somebody on the front line doesn't do what they're supposed to, or at least doesn't do it to the level of what that promise is. So, so talk to us from a leadership perspective. I mean, so we've been diagnostic. We've all seen it. We've all experienced, uh, uh, whether it's reduction in service or not feeling like you got the value of what you paid for, nobody sets out to do that. Let's be, um, let's be prescriptive as well. What's your counsel to organizational leaders and others? How do you get a hold of that? How do you, how do you determine whether that's occurring and, and how do you fix that? And how do you do it from the mindset of the promise? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, of course, it's, it all comes from leadership. And so if the leaders don't understand their own promise that they've made, then they have a challenge and the, the, Fascinating thing to me is that, yeah, that's where the goals conversation comes into play. Everyone says, hey, we need to work on our goals today. Let's, let's set new goals for this year. And they have big rah-rah conventions to try to fire everyone up. Let's all be on the same page. And, and what's interesting that I've seen through the years is when I, when I was the entertainment, I would come on the stage after they have just released the progress from the last year. And they'd say, well... We had an okay year. We missed a couple of our goals, but we're going to set some new big ones and we're going to make a difference this time. And everyone goes, yay. And then they just celebrate anyway. And so what, where I started to say, hey, why set a goal when we can make a promise? What are the unbreakables? What are those non-negotiables? And how do we get buy-in from everyone in the company? And now that's the tricky spot. It's, it's really finding out how you as a leader can instill in the people that you're serving that they have a promise within their own spot in the organization, any, any position. And uh, a lot of people might say to themselves, well, I'm just the customer service rep or I'm just the, you know, the guy in the back room. I have, I have nothing special I'm doing here. It's when we understand the promise of the company but also our own personal promise to ourselves and to the organization to make that truly happen. And how does that happen in, in the sense of the mindset itself? It's, uh, I believe it's in constantly reminding everyone of what their promise is, of helping them identify it and clarify it and magnify it. So that's the process I teach when you say, what, is the, you know, what are the real nuts and bolts? It's identify, clarify, magnify. And that comes into play with discovering your signature moves, that which makes you unique and effective as a leader, and how you bring that to your organization. So often uh, as leaders, we don't allow others to succeed in their space of expertise. We're telling them to do one thing first, 
and then 19 other things because that's just how it falls into place. Right. But if we can allow everyone on the team to have their one thing that they do well or five signature moves, then that's when, uh, that's when success can be created in a business. I, for me, I think this is a, um, I think it's a fascinating concept because it really takes sort of your job responsibilities to another level. You're right that a lot of people think, you know, what am I doing? I'm stuck in this cubicle or whatever else. And there's, there's something really powerful about saying, first of all, from an organizational perspective, listen, we decided that this job needed to exist. We have identified you as the person. We allocated resources and you were hired. You were the one we chose for this. So what is, what is reciprocal in that? And I think um, what, what, what really makes me think about your, about your mantra and what you're shouting from the mountaintops is a higher level commitment to everything that we say we're gonna do, whether it's just a broad commitment to excellence or commitment to do what you say you're gonna do because your team relies on you to do this. And here's sort of a weird analogy is I look at it from the perspective of like a marriage. When they talk about it, it's, it's not just you're promising to love, honor, and cherish, you're making this covenant. And whether it's wherever you are religiously, you know, it's a covenant with God, it's the covenant with, with each other, with Jesus, or however, wherever your belief systems are. But it's a higher level. It's not just a, it's not just um, uh, you're agreeing to do something. You're making a promise. And it's something that I, you and I have talked about this as parents as well with young kids. And as we, as we raise them to be good people, um, one of the things is you do what you say you're going to do. And, and it's not just that you've committed to do something in the workplace. You made a promise. And so have you found when you're working with organizations or talking to them or speaking to their, that they're recognizing yeah, we didn't just agree that this is what our job is. We promised to do this. And if you promise to do something, you got to do it or you lose your reputation, you lose your integrity, you lose that self-respect. I think it takes it to a different level, doesn't it? Takes it to a huge level. And that was beautifully said, my friend. I mean, you know, a lot of it comes from the own personal promise that we make to be great in our business world. Because uh, uh, some people are holding back they're not fully present in the moment or the conversation. They're right. checking their phone at lunch or they're, you know, they're, they're just not really all in. And so I, I tell stories where people are all in and it makes for a better customer service experience, even when we don't need it. For example, I tell the story of this getting on an airport shuttle, you know, the long-term parking shuttle. Yeah, yeah. Their whole promise is kept pretty much always. They're just going to get you from your car to the airport and back from the airport to your car. That's their whole promise. Right. But when we exceed that is when it's called the engagement experience to our audience. We engage them in something unique with our own unique gifts and talents. And I tell the story of TJ, the shuttle driver, how I got on the shuttle one day and she closes the door and she comes on the intercom and goes, well, hello, everybody. Are you ready to go for a ride? You just entered the party bus. And we're like, what? <laughs> you know, it's so unexpected. Yeah. And she said, I can't turn on the shuttle until everyone says, yeehaw. And we're like, I'm not saying yeehaw. But she made a promise to herself to do this as her way of doing her job better. Right. And so... Now she's waiting for us to say yeehaw. We finally go yeehaw. And she starts driving, telling jokes, having a good time. Now, now we're all raving fans 
right. of TJ, the shuttle driver. Now we're telling people, hey, don't park at the paid place down the street that's probably even more convenient, but you got to maybe get TJ, the shuttle driver, as your driver at the economy lot because she's incredible. It's hilarious. Now we're telling each other about something from someone who made a promise. I, I'm telling you, TJ did not set a goal in the morning and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a goal to see if I can get anyone to have a good time today. It's, they're not there to have a good time. She just made a promise to herself that she says, my job is defined in my own mind as I'm going to bring joy, light, I'm doing what I do, I bring myself, and everyone's going to be trapped in my shuttle with me. They're just going to come along. And she makes this promise every time. Every time I've seen her, I'm like, she's still doing it. It's been eight years since I experienced that. Right. So, but what, tell me, Jason, we're talking to Jason Hewlett, uh, corporate entertainer, messenger, talking about the promise. Tell me about the difference. Define for me and for us the difference between a decision and a promise. How do you perceive that? She can make a decision every day that she was going to be as entertaining and have a great time. What's the difference between a decision and a promise? Yeah, it's just, it's just this, it's the very same as saying, well, what's your goal or what's your commitment? I mean, a commitment level is one, one spot, but then a, a decision and a promise is another. So I don't think that she says to herself, I decide that I'm going to do this this morning. She just made a promise a long time ago and said, I'm going for it every single time. Promise is consistency. Promise is integrity. Promise is fully present. And those are non-negotiables. And that's what it comes down to. Right. And I, but I, that's where I think it, it, that's where the differentiation, I've worked with a lot of organizations, a lot of organizational leaders as well. And many of those who struggle <clears throat> with getting consistent performance from their people. What I love about the whole concept of the promise is it, for us, I think it harkens back to something very primal in our early upbringing. For those of us who are blessed with great prayer, with great parents who instilled in us um, those values that says, listen, you made a promise here. And that, I, I think, and I think that's probably the right word. It is almost primal. And I think in the workplace, if, if we have that culture and we set the expectation early that when we say we're gonna do this, we are making, this is a promise, you're making a promise. And not saying that everybody needs to come at this from a parental perspective, but when you can look at an employee and somebody who underperformed, not because they were, they were overwhelmed with work, but because they didn't do what they said they were going to do, or they found some excuse or whatever. And to be able to look at them, and I mean, it's a whole different dynamic, isn't it, Jason? To be able to say, listen, you promised. I, there's, I think the, there's, a, there's a shame that might come into it probably more than I'm not talking about creating a negative environment. I'm talking about creating this, this group dynamic that I think you do very well. I think you're changing the mindset of the organizations that you're working with and speaking for of saying, let's set this expectation that here's the new um, group dynamic. And the dynamic is we're making promises to each other. We're not just agreeing to work hard for our paycheck. When we make promises, um, we keep them. And whether it's basic performance, doing what you say you're going to do, or like your example, which is promising to, to do more than you're supposed to. I make that promise, and I never sort of couched it in those terms. Now, I made a decision a long time ago. If I'm going to leave my kids to go speak, I'm going to have fun. And I think you and I are very much on the same page. People are surprised because I have this, you're crazy and goofy, and you do your, your Raptor, and look him up on YouTube. Jason Hewlett, you'll just, I mean, the greatest comedy routines and Jim Carrey, there you go, and the Raptor and everything else. 
<laughs> for those of you watching the video version, you get to see that. Um, but people are surprised because I have sort of this sinister look and my whole life people are like, are you mad at me? I'm like, no, no, why? So I, I, they see the, the, the silly and the crazy and I use it strategically to temper a tough message. But I decided a long time ago and, and maybe it was a promise that I was going to, I was going to have fun. I was going to have fun on stage. I was going to have fun working with my clients and build some really powerful relationships around the world. Yeah, well said. And, you know, I mean, we all, we all make these promises, whether we realize it or not. And what happens, I think, for a lot of people in this employment setting where they're going, well, I don't know how much I want to promise because then what if I break it? Then I've then I'm going to be held accountable, God forbid. Yeah, held accountable, ownership, what the heck? I don't want to be that guy. Well, uh, you know, my philosophy is simply just give your all, give your best. I mean, it's, it's almost so basic, this promise concept, that people actually say to me, I've had this on the phone calls with conference calls with clients, they say, so what is the point of the promise? We're not understanding why a financial advisor would really need to hear the message of the promise. And I say, okay, well, that's fair. So let me ask you this. Your financial advisor goes home and his son is standing there with the baseball glove and he says, daddy, can we play catch? And financial advisor dad goes, yeah, uh, I promise I'll be out in just a minute. And, and the kid goes and waits. And four hours later, dad comes out of his office, kids asleep on the stairs with the baseball glove in his hand. Now, what kind of financial advisor do you want working for you? The one that keeps his promise to his kid? The one that keeps his promise to his clients? Or the one that business is more important in some ways than his own family? Or do you think he can treat your people that you work with in his business as part of his family? What if he sees them in a new light, in a new way? And then we turn it into the family promise. The, the family promise is just the people you work with, the clients you work with. If they become part of your family, now you keep greater promises to them. As long as you understand when and where you're breaking them, you can now make greater promises. That makes sense? It does make sense. But it also, I think from a reputational perspective, I look at some of the micro behaviors and I think those who are listening or watching this right now, I think are, those things are coming to mind as well. I think when you make an appointment to meet somebody for lunch, at 11.30, you show up at 11.25. Mm -hmm. you, you know you didn't get caught in traffic. You know there's traffic. There's always going to be traffic. <laughs> you keep your promises by doing the things that you say. And when you don't, you're, I, I think part of the mindset is recognizing when you don't keep a promise, and a lot of things fall under that umbrella, um, you're letting somebody down yeah. in almost every situation, at home or whatever else. And I think, I think it's a good conversation to have. And, and as much as I think we both recognize, and, and our listeners as well, that maybe it is basic. Yes, and. And how often do we just brush off, oh, it's not big, you end up five minutes late, what's the big deal? Is that the reputation that you're, that you're developing? Is that the, the feelings that you are trying to uh, uh, generate in the person that you're meeting with who had to wait five minutes later, oh, it's not a big deal. Is it? I think it's all a big deal. I love the idea of, of taking our decisions and our goals and everything and put them all under the same umbrella. When you say you're gonna do something, it's a promise. If you have an appointment, make it. If something, if you, I, I mean, we've been at conventions and here's a crazy thing or conferences where 
there's problems with the microphone or things like that. And some people say, oh, this happened or we got to get it. I mean, you and I both have been in the situations. From an AV perspective, very hardworking people, somebody broke a promise, right? If it's going to work, that means you test it multiple times. You're there before. And I'm not a hard ass on all of this stuff, but, but I think that's an integrity thing. And I think if you're building a reputation individually as a professional, as an organization, I think inculcating those that behavioral mindset that we do what we say we're going to do, couch under the term of promise. You make a promise, you keep it. And what I love about all of this is I think every one of those things that we say we're going to do, every meeting that we say we're going to attend, um, every, every person that we hire or, or project that we take on, we're making a promise to do it. And think about the transformative um, uh, manifestation within an organization if promises were, were boosted 15 to 20%, I know. right? Yeah. Well, that's all well said, my friend. And the, and the reality of it is, is that it comes down to personal integrity. It comes down to that character and that decision that we make to be a promise maker or, or we just break our promises. We're late to the meeting and it doesn't really matter. Well, guess what? I'm not going to schedule another meeting with that guy because he's late every single time or he doesn't show up at all. Uh, I mean, I've, I've done podcasts like this multiple times this week. There was one that I called in and the guy wasn't even on there. And he's the podcast interviewer and I'm the guest. And, and I'm you run first. Yeah, I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and minutes and minutes go by. Finally, five or 10 minutes in, I texted him and I said, are we on for today? And he said, oh, I had to reschedule. Let's try another time. And I thought, you know, I don't want to do a podcast with that person now, you know, and that affects not just business, but relationships that affects, uh, you know, it affects our ability to be productive people. And even the, even the phone thing. I mean, I talk about the phone in so many different ways because this is a promise that we've made to our families or to our clients or whomever. If I'm sitting here doing an interview with you, this is the <coughs> Thing that should be happening right now right undivided attention undivided and yet my phone keeps buzzing while we're talking right now but I'm not looking at it I don't care uh, I mean emails are popping up on this screen I've got the phone buzzing here but you're the most important person to me and that's my promise I will not look at it and then the question is, are we doing the same thing at home with our spouse or our partner? Are we doing the same thing with our children? Are we doing the same thing with our, uh, you know, the people that matter to us the very most? Because if you have that bad habit of checking this with your kids or checking it with your spouse, guess what? You're probably doing it in a client meeting. You don't even realize it. Right. What's your promise for that of presence? So that's why I say, you know, how do we be present in every single interaction? That's the promise at the highest level. So you can encourage that. You can model it. You can, um, you know, as, as a consultant, as a speaker. So, so talk to our listeners who might be small business owners, who might um, be leaders within an organization. How do you hold others accountable? How do you create an internal culture and and make that the new standard. I mean, we, we can, you can do it in a presentation. You're one of the most entertaining people. Not only you have a great message, of course, you do a lot of singing and all of this stuff as well. But at the end of the day, 
it's not just a reminder. Um, you're really urging a, a different mindset and an organizational transformation. How do leaders, how do they, they push that down within the organization and how do they make it consistent? <laughs> that is the great question. Because I don't know. I mean, I just, I mean, you, you, you can bring it up, you can model it. How do you remind them? How do you, is, is it new policies or is it, is it, is it a webinar once a month to remind them? It can be sure, yeah. I mean, it could be it could be leadership training. It could be it could be all of these you know meetings and so forth. I think it really comes down to the leader themselves living it. Mm-hmm. If the leader lives it and does it, and everyone goes, man, he doesn't seem to break any promise. Then eventually everyone jumps on board, and it's a matter of just reminding those that are working with you to say every time they do something incredibly well, you go. That was incredible. Great job. Or I loved how you responded to that email. That was, that was the best language I've seen in your emails recently. Because a lot of our cultures might need to be changed just in the sense of saying, you know what, this month we're going to work on kindness. Let's just work on being kind to each other. Because some people are going to miss deadlines. Some people are going to have a hard time get you know the 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 family in traffic will getting their kids to the school and then oh man i'm late for work how do we make sure that we keep everyone accountable without feeling bad about it well it's it all comes down from the top and it's a matter of reminding over and over the great behavior versus the bad behavior is just saying hey let's remember we can we can try again tomorrow set a new standard What's our new standard? Because, you know, if we need to set little goals to get there, that's fine. And that's why we say that goals are particulars, but promises are the proclamations. So let's proclaim something great every time we do this this way. There, you know, little goals I was going to say, there's, there's the tweet right there. Say that again. Goals are what again? Goals are particulars. Promises right. are proclamations. There you go. Hashtag Jason Hewlett. Give him, give him credit or at Jason Hewlett on the, on the Twitter as well. So how, how successful will you feel if you start changing the vernacular within an organization? If that organizational leader not only praises and encourages stuff, but that starts using the word, thank you for keeping your promises. Thank you for, for honoring that promise. Then I think it really reminds them that once again, it's not just a decision. We've made sort of a covenant right, for lack of a better word, that we've promised that we were going to do something. I love the idea of leaders with an organization um, using that word or slipping into conversations. Thank you. What a great meeting. You were incredibly well prepared. Thank you for keeping that promise. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to hear when they come back. And actually, when I'm the opening keynote speaker, that's my favorite thing to hear after the end of the conference. They say, you know, you opened with this promise thing and we thought it was like a Hallmark card concept and it was cute and whatever. But actually people were saying it in every speech saying, what are my promises? Have I kept them or broken them? And it's becoming part of our, our organization. We appreciate that. that. You know, hey man, there's nothing better than that because then what happens is this. If they can do it at work and they can say, yes, every promise I make I will keep for you that then spills over into life, into their family, into their own personal well-being, 
It improves health. People aren't missing work because they keep promises to themselves for their own health. Uh, relationships are strengthened. I mean, heavens, man, this message is so simple and yet so powerful. Uh, that's why I'm shouting it from the rooftops. Well, and, and one of the things I really appreciate about it, and for those who know you or know of you, is you are that guy who has, has lived it for your life and your career. And I don't mean it to suck up because there's some great stories and there's great stories online. Um, you've had some wonderful stories and memes and other things that have gone viral. Once again, just look them up, Jason Hewlett, H-E-W-L-E-T-T. But even early on, you had a, a scenario that you don't share very often. You were a top performer in Vegas and you had an opportunity that would have, that would have delivered millions to you and your family. And you walked away from it. Tell us, tell us that story and tell us why. Yeah, I was really, after that Legends in Concert experience, being the Elton John, Ricky Martin impersonator guy, I put together a one-man show of comedy and music that was very, very popular. And very quickly, within three years, I was being courted by some of the top Las Vegas casinos and production show people in the whole world. It was amazing. And as my wife and I, newly married essentially, uh, this was 2004, as we're going from place to place looking at the opportunities before us, my dream about to come true of being a one-man show headliner in Las Vegas, they would have sent me obviously to other casinos throughout the country to prepare the show and get it ready for the big thing in Vegas. But here's what happened eventually. We're sitting in a boardroom with these ho a hotel billionaire and his lawyers flanking him. My wife and I had driven in our Subaru out back from Salt Lake City down to Vegas, six hour drive and chatted about what we were about to be, you know, asked to do. And, and as we're sitting there, he, they said, we are going to manage your career. We're going to create your show. Everything that you do is going to be spelled out for you. It will be simple. You just have to plug and play. We just need you to do what we say, and we need you to tweak what you've already created, which, David, what I had created was a G-rated family-friendly show for everyone to enjoy together, no one to ever question what just happened or to be embarrassed. And, they, and I said, so what are we changing? They said, we just need to change the whole thing. It needs to be appropriate for our audience. And I was like, so can I have any say in that? They said, no, that's just what we need you to do. And everyone that we've brought in in the past has done the same. <laughs> and I said, but, but, but to be clear, <laughs> what they were also suggesting was some adult um, yeah. appropriate kinds of things that, that doesn't, that doesn't jibe with your philosophy and your promise to your wife and to your kids or future kids at the time, right? Yeah, and I had seen shows that they had produced. And, you know, Vegas in the 90s, they were trying to appeal to families. And by 2003, realized this isn't working. So they changed the slogan to what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Now that's what they were going for. And I am the absolute wrong guy to try right. to For you, what happens in, in Vegas, you gotta be able to go back and look at your family. Yeah, and at the time I didn't have any kids yet, but I had a, you know, I had made a covenant with my wife, a promise. I didn't just, you know, I say, uh, no man stands at the altar and makes a goal to be faithful. 
it's not strong enough. So right. anyway, so I'm sitting there with this casino people <laughs> and my wife, and we're watching the dream unfold. And the money is pretty exciting. The fame potentialism is over the top. This is my life dream. And as we conversed, I realized this is not right for me. This is right for other people and good for them, but this is not my thing. And David, I didn't even remember this story until a few years back when somebody asked me, why is everything that you do based in integrity and family values and and why do you not why are you not willing to do certain acts in your material and i told them this story and they were like why don't you share that story i thought i just kind of forgotten it you know it just kind of was another day that we said yeah we're not doing that we moved back to utah and that's why i'm still very much unknown in a lot of ways and now known for um being the promise guy right but and but it's it's living integrity and and I've watched you enough. You're not preachy. You're just um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's an important message for organizations. Um, you're incredibly entertaining. I think people enjoy doing that. Um, and matter of fact, if if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about um, Jason Hewlett Entertainment, learning about your keynote and the promise and bringing this important message to their organizations. Where do they go? JasonHewlett.com. That's it, man. I wish I had more. Actually, the book. The Promise to the One is on its way out. I'm so excited because uh, I had some publishers that are interested in it. We'll see what we do. But after reading your book, I said, I want a cool book like that. That's oh, you're so book. nice. I want an audible with my cool voice being all excited like David Averin's book. And so I'm telling you, man, after I listened to your book, having read the other great books, I said, I have to create my book. My friends have books and I know I have a book in me. So the promise to the one is coming out. The next one will be the series of the promise to the family, promise to the team, promise to the audience and organizations, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of promise culture that we can shift in everyday conversation and in business. I love it. I love it. It's mission driven. It's an important message for organizations. Look him up, jasonhewlett.com. But I would also encourage you search him up on YouTube. There are Jim Carrey-esque routines and others. Um, the uh, Just search uh, Jason Hewlett, the Raptor. And the the stuff that you do, like literally one of the most entertaining people. I mean, even where my wife and I got on a plane um, and flew out to Salt Lake just to watch him do a stand-up comedy routine. And it was one of the greatest nights. Look him up. I know overly gushing. Um, JasonHewlett.com. I want to remind everybody as I put my smart glasses on here, the Very Visible Business Podcast is sponsored by the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle. Your next million-dollar idea will likely come from your own team, but only if you create the space for challenging, powerful internal conversations. You can learn how membership and the customer experience advantage can give you the content and the questions and the tools to facilitate a weekly morning huddle with your team. You can learn more and watch sample videos by visiting thecxadvantage.com. Be sure to click to like this podcast, hit the subscribe button, whatever platform you're on at Spotify and Megaphone and Stitcher and Apple iTunes and of course C-Suite Radio, the video version, you can always watch on my website, davidaverin.com or on my YouTube channel as well, and pick up a copy of my brand new book, 
Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. This was just named by Forbes as one of the seven business books that entrepreneurs need to read. It's on hardback and Kindle and audiobook, Audible and everything else is com uh, as well. Look at some of the other past episodes. I've got some great people I've interviewed, some great engaging conversations. And um, as I said, be sure to subscribe. Thank you again, Jason Hewlett. And thanks to everyone. For past and future episodes, be sure to subscribe at theverryvisiblebusiness.com. You can also learn more about David Averin's keynote speaking and consulting at visibilityinternational.com. Connect with us on social media and check out David Averin's latest book, Visibility Marketing at amazon.com. This has been the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.